For all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors, all we know is to fight. Pray, they see God in everything I write. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of On One with Angela Rye. I am your host, and today I have the great pleasure in honor of being taught to just like the rest of you. He goes by Mr. Donovan to his middle school students, but his name is Donovan Taylor Hall. Some of you may have seen him go viral, being a TikTok sensation who is encouraging young people all over the country, the world, and especially in his classrooms at Impact Academy. Mr. Donovan, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I am floored. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today and to be able to share my work with you. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, Mr. Donovan, normally we do a rapid round. And um, we were told about a self-check-in exercise that you do with your students. And so we were going to do a version of that with you today. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's great. I love that. So um, the first thing is share with us one thing you are proud of yourself for doing. Um, one thing I'm proud of myself for doing, I think, is creating a vision and sticking to it. I think that um, over the past 10 years, in the very beginning, I was really unsure of what it was. And then as I continued to really lean into this work and really get passionate about the work I was doing with the kids, um, the more that I felt like this is the path for me. And I think that um, pursuing something, especially outside of the normal realm, like of education or pursuing a career, that there is no really like path for it um, is really hard. And I'm just really proud of myself for being so uh, committed to it. Okay. Three personal strengths of mine are? Um, I would say communication, which is just like, I think my biggest key in the world, um, my humor and uh, my ability to connect with people. Mm. Three things I like about myself. I like my hair, <laughs> and I never got to grow it out until recently, so I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I like that I'm able to work with kids. I like that I'm able to connect with them on a level that allows for deeper work. And then I like, um, I just like how funny I am. I, I think I'm the funniest person to myself, so <laughs> that's what I got to say. One way that I've grown. Um, one way that I've grown is recently... I think which has really like helped me do this work is um, setting firmer boundaries um, with other people, with my work, um, realizing that boundary setting is not about like no to you and more about yes to me. Mm. Uh, I know and this this year has just been all about I think before I before this year happened, I was really struggling with just giving all my energy out and like doing everything for everyone else all the time, and I never had time to actually even work on my stuff. So once quarantine started, I actually had the space to work on it without having to make up an excuse because there was an actual excuse why I couldn't do it. But then I got to practice boundary setting once we kind of come back because now I realize how important it is. I love that. It's not about no to you. It's about yes to me. Um, three things that are important to me. Yeah, let's do that. Three things that are important to me. Kids. <laughs> Can I say kids, youth, <laughs> and young people? Um, <laughs> <Okay>. All three. <laughs> Um, I think that humanity is really important to me. That's something that I really kind of didn't even understand about myself until recently. Um, is really the, the parts of ourselves that 
make us shine the most are I feel like the parts that we don't really get to talk about. And um, so combining that with kids is really important to give them a chance to really kind of shine and through their humanity. Um, and then I would say core values. My core values just in general, like my five are what I live by and how I understand myself. And when I get upset about things, I connect it back to a core value. So yeah, those would be my three. One way I want to grow as a person this year. Um, I just like, ah, this is tough. <laughs> Because I because I, I was pushing growth for so long, and then I realized recently that you know sometimes you have to Ooh, rest, and I think that yeah. sometimes like you know personal development, especially in this country, like was started by you know white men um, who didn't have to go through layers of oppression. So it's easy for them to just be like, "It's your fault you feel this way." Like lift yourself up, and and I think that I used to believe that a lot until recently, where it was like, "I got to heal. I got to take care of myself." Yes. I need to process like what society has done to me. I need to process what I've done to myself. Um, and so I kind of stopped thinking about how I wanted to grow because I was like, I'm, I'm kind of just being right now. So I guess the way that I want to grow is I want to lean more into being versus like having to, you know, always be charging 100%. Yeah, that's good. You Let me tell you how you're evolved. You're using all the things my holistic therapist says. So I know you're out here evolving. <laughs> I'm like, listen here, you talk about boundaries, loving boundaries, being instead of doing, I'm here for it. Yeah. Okay, here's my last one. Um, one positive way I show up for people. Um, I help kids feel safe. I think that that is like one of the bit, like the biggest gifts I can offer anyone is, is just helping kids feel like yeah. safe to be who they are and, um, to make learning about growth instead of learning about accomplishment and comparison and competitiveness and, you know, uh, yeah, just making kids feel safe. That's just really, really important. So good. Well, Mr. Donovan, I wish that we all had a Mr. Donovan. Um, I know that for me, um, in middle school, I spent a lot of time going to the counselor's office at my school, St. Therese, um, where, which is where I went to first through eighth grade. And in sixth grade, it was uniquely tender for me. I was like, just to be crass about it, I was flat chested. My peach fuzz was on fleek. It was kind of dark for a peach fuzz. <laughs> my eye teeth felt like they were growing out of my eyes, literally, like I needed braces so bad. Like it was just a rough year. And I can tell you, you know, you talking about creating safe spaces for kids. When, when kids don't have safe spaces, they grow up to create unsafe spaces for other adults, you know? And so that is, it's such a remarkable thing. We spend so much time telling kids that, you know, oh, you'll get over it. It's not that big of a deal. And that very thing is the thing that triggers so much other stuff throughout their adult lives. Is that one of the reasons why you're focusing on creating these safe spaces for young people? I mean, it's, yeah, be, because kids are seeking safety and kids are also seeking identity. And basically my goal is to help kids create positive self-identity so they can create safety within themselves. Because a lot of, a lot of parents will say like, you know, I think they will misunderstand kind of the work I do and say, well, you know, they all, all they do is play video games and go on social media and like, you should tell them to care about school. And I'm like, you understand that school is just another thing that we put on kids, right? It's another way for kids to feel like that's where they have to find their identity. 
And the academics and the education system in this country is so limited and it's so um, it creates boxes that so many people kind of get shoved into. If you don't find yourself within your schoolwork, if you don't find yourself, if you don't get good grades or feel passionate about what you're doing, then like, where's your identity and where's your value? And for me, it's like so many adults will say, like you said, like, it's not a big deal. And these kids are just like, they're dramatic at that age. And I'm like, but honestly, I talk to adults and they'll tell me the same thing. And it's like, I just talked to a 13 year old girl and y'all are going through the same thing. But for some reason, you're allowed to feel like this is a serious thing for you, but we invalidate that for them. And like you said, it's like a lot of those things that are starting with them that we kind of sweep under the, the carpet or we just say is like, you're just a teen. That becomes like, their soundtrack for their life that's when it starts you know and, and it's like it's just wild that we miss out on that opportunity to really help them build safety so wherever they go or whatever they're doing you know whatever they like if they're succeeding if they're failing if they're struggling they have safety within you know inner sanctuary is the goal um it's remarkable to me because it really turns the system of schooling on its head and i think in a lot of ways you referenced even from a personal development standpoint a lot of that is structural and oppressive to us. And so here is one example um, of your video. We'll have this cut different for the purposes of the podcast, but I want you to react to this. This is why you are a TikTok sensation. Here's this first video. I know that I haven't been your teacher for very long, um, (laughs) but I just wanted to tell you all that I really, really, really love you. And that I really, really appreciate you. And I'm really, really happy to be able to work with you. Um, I've said this before, but I want to come back to it. Your grades, like look at me when I'm saying this, your grades, they do not matter to me when it comes to me loving you. So if you have all zeros, I care about you just as much as if you have all fours. Okay. And like your grades do not determine your value. Your grades do not matter when it comes to you being a human being and deserving love. And I feel very, very lucky. I feel very happy to get to be your teacher and to be able to see you guys every day. That was like my first positive one I posted. Um, and it's kind of like a, the, the core of my teaching philosophy in general. And I think that um, sometimes people, well, I'm really excited to have opportunities like this to really discuss it is because sometimes people will think I'm saying that we should tell kids that grades don't matter at all and stuff like that. And it's not what that is. And what I'm really trying to help kids understand is that their innate value in this world doesn't come from their grades, right? And that grades are literally like, it sounds kind of silly, but kids don't know this unless we explicitly teach them that grades just help us kind of track where we at or where we're at with our learning. But because there's so much emphasis on value and safety, right? I have to get good grades. If I don't get good grades, my parents won't love me. My teachers won't like me. The world won't need me is what it feels like for a lot of these kids. And so I talk to a lot of kids who get lower grades who feel really left out. But I also talk to a lot of my high achieving students who have panic attacks when they can't finish their work, right? Or have panic attacks if they stayed up two days in a row working on a project and are too tired to present and are pushing themselves to present and stuff like that because their safety comes from, I'm a good student, I get good grades. And so when kids aren't given a space to really kind of create their own identity and really look at it and name it, right, giving like core values and strengths. And uh, if if they're given that opportunity, then that is solid. 
that goes with them. They grow that. They can control, they can train, they can condition, they can strengthen these, uh, these skills. But if they don't have that and if they're getting lower grades, then it's like, who cares about me? And kids have said to me multiple times, and it's been shocking. The first time a kid said it, I was like, well, maybe it's just this kid. But multiple times, that teacher hates me. Why? Because I have bad grades. Wow. And I'm like, that's wild. That's wild to me. And to tell kids that, to tell kids that I care about them despite their grades, the fact that that's radical in a lot of people's eyes is, is shocking to me because for me, it's kind of, it should be, in my opinion, it should be kind of the core of what we do is like, you need nurture and support and, and positivity. And it's not just blanket encouragement, right? I don't, I don't believe in telling kids to look through rose-colored glasses. It's like, you're going to struggle, right? But I'm here for you in that struggle, right? I'm here for you when you're doing well. I'm here for you when you're not doing well. I'm here for you. So it's you like come from a teacher, a, a mother who is, uh, who is a teacher. Um, did you see her model this type of um, teaching style in her classrooms? Where did this come from? Or is this something where you were just like, I know what I didn't have. Let me be exactly the thing that I needed. Um, well, my mom taught me, my mom showed me unconditional love. Um, and, you know, my dad passed away when I was a kid. And so um, I very early on in my, Ooh. I was, I was six. Yeah. And I very early on in my life. Um, through things that people said to me, which is why I'm so in, like big on language, is through like people in my family would say things like, well, you're okay. And like, we can always count on you to be all right. Where I, I started to play this role of like, I'm all right. And it was like, no matter how much I was struggling, I got good grades. I had friends. I didn't get into trouble. And what I was trying to do is create safety for myself. I was trying to feel better by playing that role. And I didn't even understand what I was doing as a kid. And when it stopped feeling good, and when I realized I wasn't getting the love and support I needed, that's when I turned to like substance abuse. That's when I kind of really lost myself. That's when I like started having depression and stuff like that. But it all came from like, don't you see? Like I'm doing what you're telling me to, right? Like love me. And my mom loves me unconditionally and she always offered me support and stuff like that. But I think one of the things I appreciate about my position is I get to be that outside perspective. Because after a while, if you have just your parents telling you positive stuff, you kind of push away from that. It's like, yeah, you're just saying that because you're my mom, right? You have to say that. And I just didn't have anyone else in my life, no other adults in my life that I felt like saw me or cared um, when I was doing well or when I was Ooh, doing bad. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to get my um, godson to come up here. He's 10. He'll be 11 on June 30th. And being out of um, school during quarantine has been tough. Ryan also lost his dad. I think he was five um, to a motorcycle accident. So I just want to have a moment so people can see um, you connect uh, in addition to, to the videos. But I just think it's so important for people to understand like you have in the church, we call it an anointing, but a very special gift to be able to deal with, with um, young people. And it is radical. I don't know that. I had that many teachers who felt accepting no matter how I performed. I felt like there were teachers who I like I had good chemistry with, like we gelled and they were cool no matter what. But I still feel like there was some type of disappointment when I didn't achieve. And part of what I feel like you were referencing when you were talking about um, performance is on like um, this devotional I have. He can come here. Um, this devotional I have about... Um, um, denying the shadow, 
like we deny our shadow. So, so we put on, like, we start performing because we know that that's when we get those, those compliments, that encouragement, you know, that, that, uh, that allowance that's a little bigger, that shopping trip. And we'd start doing that all of our, all of our, um, our lives. So, um, it's interesting. This is Ryan. Let me see if I can just move the camera. Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Oh, look at your hair. You look like a little me, man. Are you related to me? This is Mr. Donovan, and he has done. Hi. What's up, dude? I want to show you one of Mr. Donovan's videos, and then I want him to talk to you. He lost his dad when he was six. So I wanted you to, to connect yeah, with him. One, because he's an amazing buddy. teacher, but also because you guys have something in common. And you guys are both very smart. So here is Mr. Donovan talking to one of his students, and I want you to see this. Or this is to his whole class. Here we go. I feel very, very lucky to be in this space with you all, and I feel really happy to see you. And I know that maybe you think that, like, I just say that, and I, I don't really mean it all the time, but I do. I really mean it. And this, this time with you is, like, some of the best time I get out of my day. So I just wanted to tell you I'm really happy to see all of you. You need to have your cameras off, and you don't use the audio. Just know that I'm happy that you're here, and I'm really glad that we get to work together this month. So that is Mr. Donovan talking to his students. Oh. Do you have any teachers like that? Uh, yeah, I have one right there. Who? You. What? Oh! I didn't pay him to say that. But I, he's going to make me cry. I'm not your teacher, though. I'm in his school. <laughs> Oh, he says you're his teacher. I love that. I love that. Yeah. See, that's that is what I'm talking about, right? Is the people that we trust and the people that make us feel safe and the people that we learn from. Are you trying right? to get some more nice our teachers stuff? in the world? Yes, he and is. That's so dope. <laughs> that's so dope. That's so right cool. Hey, Ryan, can I ask you a question? So, what is it about uh, Angela that? What do you call her? Mom, what is it? What is it about her that makes you feel safe, or that makes you feel uh, like good about she yourself? She helps me a lot with my homework and stuff, and she helps mm -hmm. me a lot with my stuff. Um, yeah. she helps me get through lots of stuff, and I thank you for that. Aww. Ryan, homie, oh, can we be that <laughs> Oh, hard, man. That's awesome. Ryan, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Right? What you just did for Angela was a gift, buddy. What you just did was a really powerful gift. And I, I feel really, really honored to have witnessed you do that. That was really, really, really special, man. That was awesome. This is why I worked with this age, right? My kids, my kids have a game uh -uh. where they will just try to make me He's cry. He's trying to make me cry right now. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I had a group for two years, and they would be like, uh, Mr. Paul, can I share some gratitude with you? And I'm like, okay, chill. And another one's like, I would like to share gratitude. And I'm like, chill, chill. Like, they're just mm -hmm. trying to get me to cry because they know how much it means to me. Um, but it's cool because it sounds like you yeah. could go to her for anything, huh, Ryan? That's lucky, right? Like, that's a blessing, because I didn't have my dad around when I was a kid because he passed away, but I had my mom, and my mom was like that, you know? And it's like, even though I didn't have my dad, I'm just so lucky I had her because her love is super important to me. So I'm happy for you, and I'm really, really proud and honored to have witnessed that, man. That's so cool. That's so cool. 
And if you're feeling emotional, buddy, <laughs> welcome to the club. That's me, man. There's nothing, and Ryan, people will tell you that there's things wrong with being emotional and you shouldn't show it. But for me, when I show my emotions like that, it's because I'm letting people know the impact they had on me, right? And that emotions are all the time, right here, sweat, right Ryan. there. It's sweating right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it's like the same thing. It's the same thing, but we don't you tell just our say, bodies. Hold on, not to sweat, my eyes right? are sweating. We don't say we're we, Yeah, we don't say we're weak because our bodies are sweating, do we? Right? But our body has to get rid of that. That's why it does that's why we sweat. And it's the same thing with tears, right? Something is coming up, something powerful is coming up, and we gotta get it out. And I think it's awesome that you do that. Uh, say tears. nice to meet you. Nice, nice to meet you, buddy. <laughs> Woo! Be careful. We're going to make sure you get some time with Mr. Donovan. He's really fresh. Okay. Um, so I just, it was on my heart. I was like, I want him to see Ryan. My other godson, Javon, he is, he just turned 17 today. So he's at Universal Studios with his friends and I couldn't go. So yeah. turns out, turns out when you get old, you're not a friend anymore. <laughs> I mean, but did you see, like, you know, and I think it's just, it's just so mm -hmm. important that kids can, when they're given the space, kids can articulate. Yeah. And sometimes, like, they don't know how to say it. And so a mm -hmm. lot of the reasons why I'm so over-communicative, I guess is a, a way yeah. to say it, is because kids need access to that language. And so, like, my kids would, in the beginning mm. of the year, be like, well, Mr. Donovan is really fun. But by the end of the year, they'll be like, Mr. Donovan encourages our growth. And he motivates us. Like, he motivates us. We're like, we're down. And he, like, taught me about core values and stuff. And so they pick up yeah. on this language. And then they understand yeah. it, and then they can articulate how they already feel. They already feel these things. It's not like they're, like, lying, but they don't have the language to articulate it because there are no spaces or classes unless you have people in your life mm -hmm. who talk to you like that. Where would you learn that kind of stuff? And so that was just, that's what that process was, was, like, you know, he's like, well, he really she helped like, me homework. She really me about homework. More like, <laughs> she helped me through anything. <laughs> but you know what? And I wanted to tell you this, too. The one teacher I had, I had two teachers. My orchestra teacher who stood up for me at the very end of our time together. But I had a, a black man named uh, Mr. Barker. Mr. Barker was like a 30, 30 I think 31-year-old when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and he was my science teacher for two years. And the moment that stuck out to me, he didn't pull me aside and tell me, like, you know, I was special or that he loved me or anything like that. Like, um, but he called me out one time. I was, like, involved in some drama, and he called me out. In a way that, like, at first I was embarrassed and a little ashamed of myself, but it was, mm. like, very quickly turned into, like, wow, he sees me. Yeah. He was like, you can do better than that. Why are you doing that? Like, mm -hmm. I expect more from you. And I was like, yeah, why am I doing that? And I, and I remember that moment. I remember exactly where I was in the cafeteria. I remember exactly how it felt when he looked at me because it went yeah. immediately from embarrassed to, like, grateful mm -hmm. because I knew what I was doing was wrong. Yeah, like no, I get I that. And there's so many kids, know. you know, that experience that I think probably our point of privilege is we had parents who did see us and created space for us. But there's so many kids who don't have that um, opportunity or that blessing. And then here is Mr. Donovan to share that. And speaking of seeing students, I have one more that I have to show you. This is the one where I was like, my eyes are sweating. So here's this one. <laughs> and this amazing hair, by the way, in this video. <laughs> Hey, buddy. So, unmute yourself. Oh, yeah. Do you think you're in trouble? No. What do you think I'm going to say to you? 
Like, and I just, I feel like saying that you've been participating more isn't big enough. Like, it isn't, it doesn't celebrate how well you're doing. You are doing such an awesome job in class. You are sharing, you're being open, you're being honest, you're encouraging other people. You're, yep. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, your growth, man, like from last, like last period where you didn't share as much or last module, you didn't share as much. And now you are just like leading the charge in class. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so honored that you're putting so much work into my class. Like, oh my gosh, it's one of those things where, you know, most teachers, most of the time, I think we all can kind of attest if a teacher's pulling you aside. It's not, Hey, how are you doing? It's like, you did something wrong. I remember getting in trouble because I brought lotion and a purse to school in the, th in the third grade or something. You know, you lose your recess. So you're not, you don't, you're not used to being seen unless you're doing something that you're not supposed to do. So to hear a teacher say, I'm just telling you, I see you participating more. Like you're showing up. I see you. What a dope thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they're so receptive to it. You know, like especially in that age, I think that's why I work with middle schoolers is because that's when they're really starting to, I think that's when a lot of us struggle with like mm -hmm. how we view ourselves. That's when it starts for a lot of us, right? Because we're old enough to understand our identities a little bit more. And um, that, that just having yeah. the opportunity to, to pull kids aside, I've been doing that for years. I used to get in trouble at jobs for right. doing that, where they'd be like, we need you back over here. I'm like, hold on, I'm having a moment, right? Like, I just wanted to, like, pull kids aside all the time. And I've had kids, I just worked at the summer camp a couple of years ago, and it, it was like, I mean, I cry all the time. Like, it's like, you know, I'm very open with my emotions, but there's some times where it's like, it's very rare that I go back, like, later and cry again because of it. But this moment just really, like, it blew my mind. This kid was in the background right? Always doing the right stuff. He was always cleaning up after his like other people. He's always helping. He was always like first in line um, when they call, but then he would like let other kids cut him. Like he, and he was like 12, maybe came from a military background. And uh, I just pulled him aside and I was like, buddy, like I see how hard you work. Like no one else has said anything about it, but like you are literally helping this camp run right now. Like we should like make you an honorary, like staff member and I was like but I just appreciate how much and he just started bawling and like hugged me so tight like my arms were like pressed against me and he was just squeezing and I was like oh man I'm so sorry and he was like no I used to, like it's okay I just needed to hear it and I was like oh dude you probably go your whole life doing exactly what you think you need to be doing um, because of doing what you're told right being quiet not seen not heard and just looking for someone to see you and it's such a powerful moment to, to be able to tell a kid, I see you, you know? And often yeah. when I'm telling kids, I see you, it's like, I see me. You know, it's like telling Donnie, like, I see me. Like, I see you as well. Um, because I just never had that. And it was, it was crucial. I didn't see myself because no one saw me. Yeah, and it's and, and it's a process a skill, that many you know? of us adults have to go through in therapy, learning that now there's a wounded inner child and all of these other things. You talk about um, for full life, which is um, a, a program that you stood up in addition to teaching, um, the importance of helping kids exploring their personal, helping kids to explore their personal power. What does that look like, and how do you define personal power? 
So a couple of ways that we do like personal power would be just like, what is it about you that like makes you, you, mm -hmm. right. And not just like, cause your grades are not, they're not within you. You know what I mean? And um, so even when kids yeah. say I'm proud of my grades, it's like, what did you do to get those good grades? Right. They're like, I worked really hard. I stayed disciplined. Mm -hmm. Like I managed my time and I was like, that's what we want to lift up. Like, the, yes, the yeah. grade is great, but also you're one of the hardest working people I know. Right. You are incredible. You are like perseverance defined. And so to be able to give kids like, like um, access to that, we even do a unit on character strengths. And I think that there's a couple of kids when we did it who were just like, who never thought that they had a strength because strengths don't show up in school the way that they would like them to. The things that I'm good at, my strength, like uh, communication and humor, got me in trouble when I was yeah. a kid. Like I didn't get praised for it, I got told to be quiet. Um, and I was a class clown and stuff like that. But in reality, communication is like the biggest skill I have. And what I was trying to do was use my skills. And so I even teach kids like uh, through the X-Men, because the X-Men mm -hmm. are like, they, when they hit their teenage years, that's when their powers start to come out. And sometimes they like overuse them and they don't understand them. And it's all like, it's scary. And sometimes it harms people or sometimes it gets them into situations. And then it's about like, you can learn these things and then train them. And then these things that, you know, feel like out of your control or things that you, can, mm -hmm. you can't explain about yourself can become your greatest tool. As you get older and you grow with yourself, you know that you're good at this. You can apply it. You can pursue opportunities that allow you to use your strengths um, that are connected to your core values. And I just think that giving kids that language and the space to understand it, seeing a kid recognize yeah. that humor is a strength is so powerful. Like my class clowns who get in trouble all the time, just a quick switch of mm -hmm. like the language. It's like, hey buddy, we mm -hmm. are overusing our humor right now. Like we're overusing that strength. They're like, okay, okay, I'm good, right? And it's not like, be quiet. Right. This is not appropriate. It was just like, I know that's your thing, but like right now we need to stay focused. Right. Or like, Hey, like the class is feeling a little low. You want to play a game and use some of your humor. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Like giving them opportunities to really see these power shine. The kids who are super involved with everyone's drama and super involved and that's empathy, right? They care about what everybody's doing because they care about how people feel. So they're always caught up in stuff like that and trying to take care of their friends and so worried yeah. and just, Seeing kids recognize that there's names to these things and that these things are so valuable in the world um, versus like, right. like what, you know, like math, science, English, and you know what I mean? Those yeah. things are not, not important, but they don't give you access to your inner knowledge. And so for me, teaching kids about personal mm -hmm. power is allowing them to access their inner knowledge, right? Which everyone has access to if they're given the right. space and the tools. Right, math may not feel accessible to everyone. Yeah, English may not feel accessible. When you to consider, um, you like to be myself. called youth yeah. advocate as opposed to teacher. Have you thought about um, sharing kind of what is really a paradigm shift in our educational system for other educators? Is there a training that people can go to to learn how to Mr. Donovan their classrooms? <laughs> like how to? What well, you know? It's just. It's so interesting because for so long I felt kind of like the black sheep in a lot of educational spaces. And it was like, I would even have teachers like tell me like, I'm not a real teacher wow. or that like, I just do like the feel good stuff and we do the real work. Um, I had a, a, a coworker at my last job literally say like, we do the hard stuff. You just have fun with them and make them feel good. And I was like, 
that's wild to me because right. what they're missing and what they don't understand is how a kid views themselves, how a kid feels about themselves directly influences how they show up in their learning. If a kid feels solid and safe in who they are, they're going to take risks. They're going to be able to grow and not feel like afraid of their um, academics and stuff. Um, no, and so, no, no, you're spot yeah. on. It's, it's that, you know, are there opportunities for other teachers who want to, not who are in protest, but who want to Mr. Donovan in their own classrooms, in their own interactions with children. Maybe they're not teachers. Maybe there are a lot of young people in their neighborhoods, right, who they want to help to mentor and to help guide and shape. Is there a training program on the horizon? <laughs> yeah, there has to be a training program. And, you know, and I think for so long it was like, I got to right. just do this for kids. But at the same time, in service of kids, we have to help the people who helped them as well. And I just didn't realize that people didn't know. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I didn't realize that people didn't know how to communicate with kids like this. And so when people started giving me that feedback and being like, like I just posted a video yesterday that people are talking about my language a lot. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I look at my work as is like I, as an offer where it's like, I don't tell teachers this is what you should do. Like, mm -hmm. but if you want to learn, like if you watch this approach and, you're, and you are interested in it, then like come and be a part of it. So starting in August, I'm going to start offering PDs and like personal trainings. And if, if, if a youth advocate wants to do one-on-one -on -one stuff with me, they can also set up a time to just come and chat and see if we can do some work together. But a big goal of mine is to create a network, you know, I, because right now it feels like it's very much about me, but it's really about the work. And I feel like I haven't even gotten to show the work yet. Like I've just been talking about my experience, my philosophy, but the work is I think really powerful and, and I want people to realize that it doesn't live within me. I wasn't born a teacher. I was born a baby. And people will say that all the time. They're like, you were born for this. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I learned my strength. I learned how to do this. I created this space for myself. But anyone can learn how to do these things. And it's going to look different for each person. So um, if anyone is interested in that, right now I'm very much in the transition mm -hmm. phase, um, going from teaching to this. <laughs> um, but I... Uh, yeah, I just, I would love to do PDs. I would love to talk to schools who are interested in this kind of stuff because I do really think it's important. And I think not going to school for education mm -hmm. and not being credentialed is what allowed me to really develop this perspective outside of that. Because when I go to like uh, teacher trainings and they're talking about data and they're talking about all this stuff, I'm mm -hmm. like, this is what y'all are learning in school. Oh, okay, right? Because I'm not learning any of this. Um, and it's a beautiful, it's a, I think if we can even combine those two, right? So it's not about getting rid of the other one, but it's like, how can we make this work more in service of kids? That's mm -hmm. my biggest thing is like, what can You've we do You've talked about um, growing up for kids? black and queer in an all white environment in Virginia. And I'm wondering if some of the conversations that you've experienced, some of the criticisms yeah. that you've experienced from colleagues, have they triggered any of the stuff that you experienced growing up, you know, where you're like, okay, I'm on the outside again, just for trying to do the right thing. Maybe then it was, you know, being nice to other people or trying to make sure that you were performing yeah. in school and you were behaving. And now you're like, I'm just trying to make sure that kids feel good about themselves in addition to being able to achieve, not instead of, but, you know, still kind of feeling misunderstood and ostracized. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had, like, teaching situations where, like, parents have been really lifting the work up, and then my bosses have been like, no, 
and they've like refused. Like I had a boss who literally withheld a gratitude letter a parent wrote me because they were like, that's not what our company is about. And I was like, well, it's just, I'm doing this work. So I, I would have bosses like get mad at me. I've had people tell me like a lot of trying to control my energy. So if I'm quiet, suddenly it's like I'm being aggressive, right? I've been told like your energy, I can just feel your energy. And I'm like, I'm just sitting here. So people want me to perform a lot. Um, and I think that sometimes these teachers, un until they really learn about what my work is, they think that it is just like, you know, be positive. And that's not at all what it is. And so it's frustrating to me, but I don't really care about them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really care. I, I care more about the kids. And it's just like, if it works for you, if it resonates for you, that's cool. But when we have teacher meetings and I'm the only teacher that doesn't have any disciplinary right. issues. This You're like, maybe I'm doing something right. Maybe you might want to listen. Well, what about, mm -hmm. no, I was going to say, what about from um, the black community? I know you mentioned to Nas, our podcast producer, that you've gotten a lot of press attention, but it's been mostly from white press. We know historically, not even just in our schools with black teachers, but also in our homes, we err on the side of whooping behinds and discipline, right? And so your approach, people would feel like, oh, that's some white people stuff, right? Like I could hear, you know, um, black folks saying, even unhealed Angela, like I'm going through the healing process. And there are moments where people are like, well, would you whoop your kids if you had kids? And I'd be like, it depends, you know, but I don't, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? But it's like, you get frustrated enough. You don't know what to do. I wonder how you feel about that. Do you feel received, appreciated and seen by your community in doing this work? I mean, that's like, that's like such a big question for me too, because, you know, I just moved to Oakland, I think four years ago. And that was the first time where I was around all types of black people Yeah, where I was from, where I was originally from. I went to school with black kids and I mm -hmm. had a couple of friends, but for the most part, they separated us because I was like the, I was in a different part of the uh, city. And so I didn't get to like build relationships and stuff with them. So for a long time, like I mixed. Um, and when I was younger feeling like being black and not seeing black around me and not having my dad and having like, we had racist neighbors and stuff. Like mm -hmm. it didn't feel safe. And so I lifted up the German part of me. I lifted up. I'm like, well, I'm mixed. I'm not all black. Right. And I, I got really upset with myself when I was in my early twenties. Cause I was like, why did I do that? Like mm -hmm. I kind of sold myself out. But then as I got older, especially when I came to Oakland, I realized pretty quickly, like I had to, that was like a safety thing. Yeah. Um, and that like, I was, I was literally, adapting to yeah. feel safe and seen and like in this community where I knew that I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. um, and so being in the queer community, it's, it's also very similar because I don't identify as gay and a lot of people will just say that I'm gay. Uh, I'm kind of on the fringes, just like I am with being mixed, right? I don't belong in one of those groups. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that I've always kind of felt like not received by the black community. And then I was getting really nervous in the beginning because it was like, I'm grateful for all these people. I want to be really clear about this. I have a white grandmother, right? So there's nothing against white women. I'm really grateful for it. But also a part of me was like, where are the black people? Because I want them to see this work as well. Because really mine came from black women. My mom and my sister-in-law, Khadijah, they are the best teachers I've ever seen. And, it, and like, they, they are firm, but they are loving and their kids adore them and they stand up for their kids and they care about their well-being and they're passionate about what they teach and they hold them accountable. And like, I would literally like call my mom and she would tell me like what she would do in that situation. And I was like, oh, I did that. Like, that's exactly what I said. Like, I didn't even know you did that. Mm -hmm. It's like, cause I just learned from them. And I think that black women are 
the backbone of this country. Sure. And I think that they are the really the 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 change makers in education. Mm. Um, and so for me, I think uh, there is someone named Mr. David Johns who um, that's my brother. My, yeah, he shared my stuff. And then people started, I'll tell you, I'm going to get a little emotional. People started like commenting and someone was like, they were talking about like pass the collection plate around. Yeah. And it was the first time, like I cried. It was like the first time where I was like, mm. okay, like I'm okay. Like I'm safe. Like I'm doing the right work. Like they see me. And, and I, a part of me didn't want to need that validation, but it is important because if I'm doing this work in service of kids and I'm only really supporting. Let me tell you. Kids, and David, you know? David literally like created this hashtag back in the day, teach the babies. So he is yeah. serious about this. Yeah. I was going to tell you that I thought y'all should meet, but I just forgot. That's exactly where I saw your stuff was on David's, <laughs> on David's Instagram. David Johns, we love you. Shout out to David Johns. Yeah, he's awesome. And to all I the black women it. educators in our lives, including my mother, Dr. Andrea no. Rye. I love you, mama. We love you. We love you so much. I've just, being in school systems and seeing the way that they are, um, used mm -hmm. in the way and, and it's not like they don't know mm -hmm. that they're being used and that's the thing that's hard is because they're pulling on their they their relationship building with kids um the fact that they put in so much extra emotional labor and work and then their co-workers want them to put that labor in for them and it was happening to me as well but right now at that school i was just at the wildest thing was i was on the seventh grade team and it was all men of color oh. there was one woman one woman who was great she was our learning specialist but for the rest of it, it was all men of color there's like three black men on this and i was like in seventh grade that is that's incredible unheard of. that's unheard of so um i have one more question for you i wish we had more time but i have one more question for you and this is just um you know the same way that you encourage the students who need to feel seen who may be exasperated, don't have what they need at home or the support they need or feel under-resourced. This is for all the COVID teachers out there. I am talking about the parents who may not have all the resources that others have. Maybe they don't have a nanny. Maybe they can't afford a tutor. And maybe they are trying to hold it down with a 40-hour-a-week plus job and their kids. Mr. Donovan, what encouragement do you have for our COVID teachers out here? express themselves to kids more and really let them know what they mean to them. Because I think that a lot of times, especially the parents who really are kind of tough on their kids about their grades comes from a place of care. Mm -hmm. But my biggest thing is like, it means so much to kids to know that they're safe and to know that like, even if you can't be everything for them, I mean, um, even though I struggled a lot as a young person, like I always knew my mom was there because she told me. And just like, I, so I would encourage people to just express that, right? However you feel comfortable, but kids need to hear it. And when you're thinking about academics and stuff, think about everything that goes into their academics, like self-regulation, motivation, discipline, like hard work, perseverance, like the fact that we had to just completely shift our whole entire school system and just expected the kids to deal with it. Um, there's a lot of stuff to really praise and lift up. And if, if you are looking at just their grades, you're missing opportunities to really see and help them shine. So even if they have low grades, I, I would really offer to people to push to find ways to lift mm -hmm. them up because there are more than their grades, right? Well, and I'm, I'm a shout out to the COVID teachers. We see y'all, we love you, and we thank you for holding it down. I know that y'all will never take these teachers for granted again or the youth advocates. 
Mr. Donovan Taylor Hall, thank you for all you're doing. We definitely see you. We honor you for your work. I cannot wait to see what you do next. And if I could be a part of it, I'm right here. I mean that. Thank you. You've been such a blessing to me. I watched all these videos. I'm like, I love him.